Hey, good to be with you all, and thank you for um, sharing, Jacob and uh, Sam, and um, I know Jacob's wife and uh, Nina um, are at Irvine as well, so it was kind of uh, nice to see them there. But um, so much to do, and one of the things that we want to understand well um, is you kind of have these two pockets of, or two categories, we could say, of churches. You have um, some of the, the liberal churches that are all about, you know, um, doing good for the human cause and um, fighting, equal, you know, fighting for equality and human trafficking and all of those things. And you have kind of the conservative side who is all about just theology and uh, learning the Bible um, and kind of keeping it in-house. And really, the, I think the proper way, what we want to do at Crossway is we want to do both well. And um, so we're just grateful for this. And as you get involved, I know that, um, and this is always the case, in whatever capacity you get involved, is um, you will be the one to be blessed by serving and getting involved. And uh, so uh, I want to encourage you to keep that in mind. Um, and today's passage, we get into a passage here that uh, I think is very pertinent to getting involved and doing something for God. Um, we see here this story of Moses um, and being called in the burning bush and this idea of God calling him. Um, in chapter 3 and 4, uh, this is Moses gets uh, called by God and they have this conversation. And remember, Moses wrote this account. He pens this uh, book. And so this is his recollection, and he puts it here, and I think he really wants to get the point across. There's two things he wants to get across. One is how great God is, how God is awesome. God is God. And at the same time, he wants to get the point across, and we see it in the story, in his dialogue with God, how unqualified he really is, how he just felt like, it's, who is he to do this? And a lot of us may feel this way. You know, this week it was interesting, and the, it was all over the news and and the feeds, there was a story about uh, Miss Washington, USA. And ha- her name was uh, Stormy Keffler. And you might have, and I don't know why it's even in the news. It's not really news, but it was all over. And I was like, what is this about? And um, she had to give up her crown, tiara, whatever, you know, that she got for being Miss Washington um, because she had been arrested the prior year for a DUI, and um, you're not allowed to have DUIs and be Mrs. Washington, Miss Washington. And so she had to give that up, you know, and so there was this whole story how sad that is, you know, not really sad from our perspective, but anyways, for her. Um, and then, and related, so then you, I'm reading the story on Google, and then the next story that they had was, in 2014, Miss Delaware, Amanda Longacre, had to give up her tiara or crown or whatever it is for Miss Delaware because... She was too old, they said, right? To be Miss whatever, you have to be between like uh, 18 and 24. At 24, you know, like the 40s. The 40s are the prime. I don't know what they're, um, they, got, they got it wrong, but like 24, but she was 25 and she was, you know, um, obviously sad about it because she was too old and I'm like, uh, you still got a long way to go before you're in your prime. So, uh, but anyways, uh, you see that and you say, boy, it, and if you're not, church or the the person that doesn't know the gospel would really think of going to God in this way like I better present myself well God wants to see me in my best gown he wants to see me you know in you know in my swimsuit in a way he wants to know everything about me he wants to know how smart I am he's going to ask me questions and I better say something right and then he's going to judge me and there'll be someone with an envelope they're going to decide if I get it or not 
right? And that really is what many people think is about going to God, but it isn't. We see here it's about those who aren't qualified. He purposely chooses someone who is not qualified. And now, let's put it in our context here. Um, when it comes to the things of God, you might often feel like, I'm not qualified. And I hear this often. Like, me teach? You don't want me to teach those kids. Like, there's no way I could teach those kids. Or You want me to pray in public? I can't, I can't speak. speak in public? No way. And we, I've had those instances where um, I've asked someone just kind of out of the blue, can you, can you lead us in prayer? And they, they freak out like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's your job. Why are you making me pray? You know, and, um, and I've had Bible studies where you're kind of like, why don't you uh, share? What do you think? You know, how do you explain the Trinity? Oh, my gosh. You know, so um, it w- we won't do that today at the theology class. All right. So don't worry. Um, we won't intentionally do that. But we do that. Right. Uh, uh, we get afraid sometimes just to do things. You know, if you're going to invite someone to church, some one of your coworkers. And you know you're not like the best, you're not the saint, and you're not Mother Teresa, and you're like, I'm going to invite you to church, uh, I don't know. And, and the doubt comes up again, I'm not qualified. Who am I? My track record's not that good. I barely made it last week. You know, who am I to tell them to go to church? Or even on my personal walk, you know, at church you're coming, and we're talking about R21, and Pastor Paul's telling you to get this app and read the Bible, and you're, you know, you're like, I've tried that 15 years in a row and I haven't been able to. Who am I to go and try to read this? Or who am I to go and try to pray? And, um, and someone said, who are you? Who do you think you are? And by our own qualifications, none of us would win the crown. Uh, we'd all be disqualified in a way. But here we see this call of God. And what happens is this. is Here's someone who knows they're unworthy, who's been hiding out for 40 years. Now he's 80 years old in the wilderness. He's been hiding out, leading, li- living his own life there. He had killed someone before. And now God comes to him, and he is not confident at all. And what changes him, the one thing he wants Moses to do is to know him better, to know God. As we know God better, it will take us uh, from being someone that is unqualified, afraid, no faith, into being someone who will do great things for God. You know, the Bible says this, or rather, uh, J.I. Packer, and there's a quote um, uh, uh, from him. It says, Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. Uh, what Packer is saying is that the main business, right, the main thing that you are here for is to know God, to learn more about God, to understand God, to know his will. And once you know him, everything else falls into place. And this is the, the story. Moses gets acquainted with God, and he now knows God, and he's able to do God's will. Um, we're going to do two things here. We're going to look at who is God and then who is Moses. And if you're looking on your app and seeing all the notes and, and the sections you're filling in, you're like, wow, there's 10 points. This is going to be a long one. And you're worried. We're going to go through this pretty quickly, all right? So, um, don't be afraid, all right? Um, don't go to other apps. Just look at our Crossway app, okay? And just stay there, all right? Um, but who is God? And we see this. Uh, uh, first thing is God is the one who initiates contact. He's the one who reaches out to Moses first. And this is very significant, right? It tells us in verse 1 of chapter 3, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the side, the west side of the wilderness, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Now, he's doing his job. He's a shepherd. He's been doing this for 40 years. He's taking care of his sheep. Can you imagine how bored he must have been? He didn't have a phone to look at. He didn't have someone to talk to. They were just sheep. He has to make sure they eat and no one attacks them. And he's just there another day. So he's bored, I think. And he goes, let's avoid this side and let's go, let's go try the west side over there. Let's go near the mountain. And he heads over there. And what he thinks is just his own random thoughts and actions is a divine appointment by God because God meets him there in the form of a burning bush. This is God's initiating. This is God saying, I'm going to reach out to you. You know, the, the humanistic philosophy of today, uh, the new age thought of today is this, and you, you'll see this sometimes, uh, Oprah promoting this, you'll see this in uh, Deepak Chopra and all these teachers and, and quote-unquote spiritual new age teachers. They're always saying, you go and seek out the God, the consciousness within you, the God within you. You go seek it out first. You go find it on your own accord. You go find it. And really what we see here in the Bible is the opposite story. It's a story about people who are not seeking God, but God seeks them. This is completely backwards. This wasn't Moses saying, I want to go to Horeb and go look for God and I want to be good and go find him. No, this is God saying, I'm going to meet you and I'm going to go and um, initiate this contact. And so we see this here. He goes to Mount Horeb. It's interesting, Mount Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, if you've been to Sunday school and you've been to church, you know that's where God uh, meets Moses and gives him the copies of the Ten Commandments. You know, we know that story. Uh, later on, we'll see it. But he's at that place. It's a divine appointment. God initiates contact first. The second thing we see is God is personal. He calls him by name. Um, he says here in verse 4, when he sees the bush, right? In verse 4, he calls, calls out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he says, here I am. Right? It's interesting. The repetition in the Bible, uh, especially when there are you know, a name or a word that is repeated back to back, it, it means emphasis. It, it's, it's important. He wanted to get the point across. Moses, Moses, the same way. Abraham, when he is called in Genesis 22, his name is repeated twice. When Jacob is called in Genesis 46, his name is repeated twice. When Samuel is called by God in 1 Samuel 3, his name is repeated twice. So we see this pattern. It's a personal call. He calls us by name. He knows who we are. Thirdly, we see is that God is holy. God is God. God is different. You know, when we say holy, it means he's separate. The idea we see here in verse 5, he tells him, do not come near. He calls him, do not come near. Take, off your, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. All right? this, it's interesting. It happens to Joshua later on in Joshua chapter 5. He takes his sandals off. You can imagine Joshua, who had been um, raised up by Moses, knew that story and knew what God would do. So he, he takes his shoes off. What does this mean? Does this mean that the, uh, this is you know, the Asian way of going into a house is the right way? Like my parents had it right. You should always take your shoes. Is that the right way? What, what does this mean? Right? Um, no, what, the idea here, I think, is, is a couple of things. It's, you know, when you go into a home back in those days, you would take your, your, the sandals were the filthiest things. Right? And so that's why Jesus had the washing of feet and all of that instituted from that. A second part, I think, is even the dirt even the dirt that you're trying to avoid contact with was holy compared to the human being who was going to touch it. 
You know, this ground is holy. This dirt is holy because God is there. Right? So God is holy. God is separate. Um, God is not like Moses. Fourthly, we see that God is a covenant keeper. He keeps his word. Um, verse 6, he describes himself, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look at God. Right? He, he remembers the covenant. He keeps his words. And fifthly, we see that God calls the unqualified to do his work. He calls those who are not qualified to do his work. Um, years back, maybe about 12, 15 years out of high school, I ran into an old friend at the mall. I might have shared this uh, before. Um, I, but uh, I remember I was at the mall, and I hear someone call my name. Hey, it's Steve Choi. You know, I'm like, oh, hey. And I look, and it was uh, an acquaintance of mine, a friend of mine from high school. His name was Tony Lidyard. He was on the soccer team. I was on the football team. You know, we had mutual friends. And I remembered him. Oh, Tony, hey, good to see you. Wow, it's been a long time, you know. And um, we, we've all probably had those moments. But it was interesting because he was dressed up like a full-on cowboy. He had the big buckle. He had uh, Wranglers and, and boots. And he had a big hat. You know, he even had those, one of those you know, uh, necktie-looking things that only cowboys wear. Anyway, so I was like, oh, Tony. I was like, you know, and, and you kind of, when you meet someone from back in high school, it kind of takes you back and you anyway so I, I was like, oh, you know and I was acting like I was in high school in a way I was like oh it's Halloween huh you know and um <laughs> and he's, he's like no man he's like this is what I do I'm, I'm a rodeo whatever cowboy you know uh, horse rider whatever you know and I'm like what you're in the rodeo so I'm like now I'm just wow I'm like you're in the rodeo this is Southern California where do you join the rodeo this is not Kansas or Oklahoma I'm like Wow, you're so I'm giving them this whole like wow speech, and then he asks me, and I, I get this often. He asks me, he goes, "So, Choi, what do you do?" And I was like, "Oh boy, he, this is gonna be good, right?" <laughs> so I said to him, well, "I'm a pastor. You're a pastor." And then you know he he's not church at all. He goes, you're, "I can't believe you're a priest." I said, "I'm not a priest, man. I'm a pastor." He goes, "Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So you're like celibate. You're like a priest." I said, "No, I'm married. I have kids." So he's like, "You're a priest that's married," and he's. Um, and I'm like, you're a cowboy or whatever you are. And he's like, you're a priest that's married. Isn't that bad? I'm like, I'm a pastor and we're going back and forth. And then he is shocked. He says, I can't believe you are a pastor. He goes, people don't know what you were like in high school, huh? I go, God didn't know what you were like. I'm like, hey, that's not funny, right? And um, you know, I, I still beat you up, right? And, uh, and we're just going back and forth, right? Um, and I'm like, I can't believe you're in the road. I can't believe he's a priest with kids, you know. And so we're, we're just going back and forth, talking. But we get into that, where um, God doesn't call someone that we think is perfectly qualified. And God calls those that we say, wow, I can't believe you're doing this. This is a story where Jethro might have heard and said, you, out of all people, Jethro, the priest of the Median land, saying, you, out of all people, you're going to do this? You're 80 years old. All you know how to do is be a shepherd. God called you. And you can imagine the thoughts that go through Moses' mind as he's thinking about this. And he now has a conversation. And there's these, I broke it in five parts, these things about Moses we learn. And I think a lot of it resonates with us. First of all, he, Moses says, you know, basically says, I have no control. I have no power. Who am I to do this, right? Uh, in verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And this is God's response. He says, but I will be with you, 
This shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. It's interesting. He's saying, you're going to bring them out. Not only are they're, not gonna, they're going to listen to you, but you're going to bring them all out, and you're going to worship on this mountain. So in God's eyes, it's already a done deal. God's eyes, it's already completed. He's got the power to complete it. Moses says, I have no control in life. How am I going to do this? The second thing Moses stresses about is his lack of credibility. Right? Who am I to go? Who am I to, who, who's sending me? It says here in verse 13, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? You know, and there's a famous phrase, I am who I am, God says to Moses. Tell him, I am has sent you. He doesn't even give him his name. He just simply tells him, this is the state that I am in. I exist. Tell him, God exists. I am who I am has sent you. Uh, that's a very interesting thought. You know, the credibility of our name. Uh, even today, you, know, you go shopping, you go, you go to the market, and you've got to sign your name when you use your credit. You gotta sign your name because when you get, you know, buy a car, you gotta sign your name. And when you sign your name, it tells people it's with that credibility, with that credit, I am buying this. I am going to pay this. I am authorizing this by my name. And God here says it's my name. It's not yours, Moses. Because Moses is looking back thinking, I have zero credibility. I can't go back. I killed someone in my past. I can't go back and do anything. I ran away from these people. I've been away for 40 years. Who am I to go back? And it's in the midst of that God calls him in this way. Now, thirdly, Moses lacked knowledge. He didn't know. Um, he didn't under, fully understand God. We see here in chapter 4, um, we see the first part. He says, um, Moses answered, and Behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Um, uh, he lacked knowledge of God, and he lacked the knowledge of the people. And a lot of us do this. We already assume they are going to say no. Why ask when they're going to say no? Why go in, in, and try when they're going to reject this? And he assumed it, but he had no proper knowledge here. God says what? Throw the staff on the ground. He says, you know, it turns into a serpent. Pick it up by the tail. turns back into a staff. Um, and he, he is training him of who knows what's going on. It's God himself. Fourthly, Moses lacked the gifts. He felt like he was not equipped to do this. Um, chapter 4, verse 10 and on, this is what he's saying. I don't have the talent to pull this off. I am not a speaker. He says this, oh, um, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Uh, he says, I'm not a good speaker. Uh, some of us, we have a picture, maybe of Moses, because of Hollywood or whatnot, of someone who is, you know, just grand and a deep voice, and he's eloquent. And maybe we could picture him being like a, 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 a Martin Luther King Jr. type. Boy, you know, he could move the masses with his words. Uh, uh, had a chance to watch a uh, movie, Selma, right? And you watch that movie, and uh, uh, even the actors, right? Because we have the real footage of Martin Luther King giving the speeches, and, uh, but even the actor who is trying to do the speech, you're like, he can't pull it off like Martin Luther King Jr. can, right? And uh, you know, just to be able to listen to that. Now, you would think 
A wise human would think, in their wisdom, boy, God would pick someone like that to speak. He could stir the emotions. He could make you laugh and cry within the, la- you know, and he could just move you to action. Wouldn't God pick? But he picks someone who says, I can't even talk. I can't speak in public. But he calls him to do this. He lacked the gifts. He calls him to do this. Lastly, he just lacked faith, right? And he says, someone else can do it. Verse 13 Please, oh my Lord, please send someone else. And how many times have we thought this or done this? Someone else will do that. Someone else will take care of that. When God is saying, hey, why don't you go and do this? Why don't you go do this? Today, with uh, Crossing Borders being here and these guys, these guys are guys just like us. You know, Sam and Nina, a lot of you know them. They're in your community. They're just people like us. Um, they have kids, they're busy, they're scrambling, running around. They do something. Uh, you know, those of you who are in community groups, your community group leader, you know, they're just like you. But the difference is they do it. The people up here leading worship, you know, yeah, they, they are musically gifted, but the biggest thing is they're willing. Um, what we often want to do, and I see this so much, is someone else will take care of it. Someone else will do it. Let someone else take care of it. And he says in verse 13, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. And God's anger kindled against Moses. And he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is coming out and meet. he sends him with him. Now you say here, why does God decide to pick him? Why is he still holding on? Wouldn't you just stop? Wouldn't you just say, Okay, forget it? He has a plan for Moses in his life. You know, my, uh, this past year my youngest was uh, Ashley was wanted to uh, run for student council right and so I was talking to her about us you want to do it I said that'd be great you should do it you know what what you want to be president and you know we went through the office and she was you know it's nerve-wracking for a 10 year old I don't know you know I don't know if I should do it and she was nine at the time and I said you should do it just do it and, and so she prepared a, a speech for like a month, right? And um, so we were going over it, and I was telling her, don't worry, no one's listening to you. You know, you go up and talk, no one's listening to you. And she's like, well, how do you know that? Uh, I've experienced that many times. So like, you know, I'm not at our church, right? Outside of our church when I speak. I'm like, don't worry, just go and do it. And um, Now, and she did it, you know, and, um, and then her and her best friend ran, and, they, and then they elected two. And they were the only two that ran. So they both got it anyways. So now they're in charge of the flag at school. And I've got to go earlier. And I was like, why did I tell her to run for it? But um, now, as a parent, and we've all been there. And if we have good parents, we've all been there where they've said, I know it's hard, but you should do it. The bad parent would say, oh, you know, yeah, that's going to be hard. Huh? Don't do it. The bad parents say, oh, read, you don't like reading? Yeah, don't do it. Just, just stay illiterate. It's fine, man. It's fine. Yeah. You don't want broccoli? Hey, it's okay. Don't eat broccoli. Hey, it's okay. Just, just eat whatever you want. Chocolate. Yeah, go ahead. Because right, I love you, man. Just do as you want. The good parent is chasing that child down. You need to brush your teeth before you go to sleep. I don't want to brush your teeth. Right, brush your teeth. You got to do this. You got to go and study. You got to go and do this. You got to go and exercise. You gotta... The good parent says, I'm going to make you do things that are hard because it's good for you. The bad parent says, I don't care. Now we go back to this. Our Heavenly Father comes to us and says, I want you to go talk to your coworker. 
I want you to go and pray for these people. I want you to go and start teaching Sunday school or start working with some young people at church. I want you to do something and you say, God, let me give you my excuses and it's already been done. He says, no, I'm not giving up on you because he is the perfect Heavenly Father. And what is it that he throws at you? What is it that he wants you to do? And you have all the excuses that Moses had. You say, I can't, I won't, um, I won't be effective. They won't listen, they won't do this. What is it? And will you do it? And I close with this quote by Hudson Taylor, uh, the founder of Inland China Mission, the one who went and brought uh, this foreign missionary, the father of missions, as many call him. He says, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. We do it not because we are so strong. We do his work not because we are so bright and gifted. We do it because we could lean on him. I want to challenge you to go do something. And you know what God is calling you to do? Something might be something global. It might be something within your own house. You think, I know God wants me to really, well, go, let's go and do this. And watch what he will do through the weaknesses that we bring to him. In our weaknesses, he is made strong, and he will do this.